Welcome to the Film Gods podcast, everyone. This episode, I want to let you know about a great man who is feeding our doctors and nurses. Philip Juma, head chef and founder of Juma Kitchen, didn't want to put his incredible skills of making delicious food, and I've tasted it, it's amazing, to waste during lockdown. So when Borough Market closed its doors, he took it upon himself to feed our NHS staff. He's single-handedly making hundreds of meals for them every week. And if you want to help feed our heroes, go to Juma kitchen.com yeah i'm saying it again that's jumakitchen.com and donate let's clap them on the thursday and feed them on a friday massive love and respect going out for juma kitchen let's get started hola film family i'm isusko your host aka the time scheduler welcome to the Film Gods podcast, which is a chat with the best of the UK film crew who make all of those beautiful moving images you watch every day. I want to give a special thanks to Island Studios for the recording space. Thank you, Mark, Mitch, Pauline, and the whole team. And wherever you're listening, I hope you enjoy. Big love. Um, so, film family. Today, for me, this is... The man, when it comes to my end in the industry, and I get asked on the film gods in 20-whatever, um, you know, who do you want to give a shout-out to? This will be the man who I owe my entire AD knowledge background, the lot, the absolute lot. So um, I'm loving that he's here. I'm loving that he's going to chat. Um, you'll know him as a few different names, you know, the line of Judah being my favourite, but to me, he's Capo Regime. Um, so, Capo Regime, tell the listeners what is your name and what you do. Hey, everyone. My name is Sean Cotter, and I am a first assistant director. Boom. So, what does that mean to you? What, it is, that, what is it that you do? Well, <clears throat> a first assistant director, as a lot of people probably know, because I know you've had a lot of them on your podcast, yep. is basically the person that organises the floor, organises the schedule, tries to get the the storyboard and the paper script transformed from on the paper to on the, it would have been filmed before, but now it's into the digital image. Mm -hmm. So much of it that they have a choice in the edit to get out the things that they have been trying to achieve. Nice. And is that, is that, a, um, is that a job that you can just do straight away or is there a route up? What's your, what's your story in? Well, I think any craft you can do straight away. It's just a matter of how well you can do it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's been quite a lot of us that have jumped in a little bit earlier than we were ready. Yeah. Um, you know, I was listening to Jay Arthur's podcast and it was really funny Cracking. about how he yeah, jumped yeah. in. But, you know, I saw a bit of myself in that as well. I, I okay. definitely went in a little bit underqualified. Um, was that just the and, time uh, of, is it, was that just the environment and the time there was just so much to do and there were so many opportunities or... No, I don't think it was that there were so many opportunities. It's just sliding doors, you know. Mm. It's just you happen to be in a room and someone said, we need one of those, you'll do. Um, <laughs> and that was really how it worked. You know, I I, I started working with people um, who were my age and were a little bit have-a-go heroes as well. And yeah. uh, we kind of moved on quite rapidly together and when you know and we were quite inexperienced but we were very enthusiastic and um enthusiasm will get you through things yeah as long as they're not too complicated and you don't mess them up too badly i think one of the advantages was there was a bit more money then mm. so mistakes could be made and because directors are a little bit wilder 
um, the agencies and clients didn't necessarily know that what they'd just seen was a big mistake. They <laughs> thought it might have just been an experiment in trying to do something that yeah, didn't nice. quite work out. And that yeah. worked in our favour. Nice. And was was ADing it? Did, is that where the starting point was? Or did you come in from a different angle? You know, there's a kind of few people that have been like, oh, I started off in the post house or I started off as a this, that and the other. Where, where, where was well, your I, I was a... I, uh, I was in the fruit and veg game for years and years and years. And uh, I had a stall and I used to deliver stuff to restaurants. I was pretty good at it and made quite a good living at it. Mm. At the same time, I was trying to write things and, you know, be a be a writer. Theatre was my first okay. love more than film. Which really? No, sounds a bit funny, but yeah, I love theatre. So and, would you um, write scripts for theatre? Was that what you yeah, just Yeah, 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 yeah. Write scripts and then some telly stuff and bits and pieces. Anyway, I ended up getting an agent um, and getting a, uh, a commission and some stuff optioned and mm -hmm. went to America. I used to write with my brother, who was a far better writer than I am. Um, right. I think that's probably how we got most of the most of the commissions. But anyway, so we went off as this writing duo. Uh, we had a really good agent, and it's Duncan Heath, and they were big, big agency. Mm. They got bought by ICM, which is a big American agency. Mm. And... Uh, they said, why don't you come to America and, and you know, come and pitch some scripts in LA? So I went to do that for about six months or a year. Um, and it was fun. great, you know. We, yeah, we, yeah, it was it was it was fun, but it was weird. It was LA and you know, you either get on with LA or you don't. I, I find it quite interesting, but we did tend to knock about with a load of English people all the time. So okay. maybe we didn't really get into the full swing of LA. But um we and did we you shoot? Did you off. have some? Yeah, did you get a script made? Were you out there shooting? No, or? not in LA. No, we had things done in the UK, but only small things. Hmm. Um, but we were very close, and we pitched big, big people. You know, big, big people. We we had a lot of doors open to us, but we weren't making any money. Yeah, and uh, you know that was a problem because we were in LA and we didn't have any money. And LA with no money is you know no money, no honey. It's not a great place to be. So. Hmm. We, uh, I had friends who were out there uh, producing music videos. Funnily enough, people from England. Um, nice. And, you know, they'd say, come along, you know, come along and you can, you know, be a, a PA, they call it in America, but that's a runner. And, uh, you know, you get, you get a buck and a quarter, which is like 125 bucks. Nice. And, and uh, you knew them, they were in the industry it. before. So were you, were you in the industry here before? Or is it just the writing? No, 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 no. Just friends from around the way. First time I was the film set was there in LA. Yeah, yeah. And I was, you know, I was quite old as a, as a runner, but and then I didn't really fancy staying in LA, so um, we came back to London, and uh, and I had a choice. I could go back to the fruit and veg game, or I could, you know, try and stay in the film industry because I really liked it. You know, I liked the idea. I liked the idea of still writing. I liked films. I liked the excitement of it. And you know, I started being a runner in London, and that's kind of where I did it. And I wow. was twenty-seven, oldest runner in town. Oh, okay. you know, it felt like that, you know, I'd had my own business and, you know, I'd been, it, it'd been quite good. Is it business, tough to come but... in at that age and have been a business owner and suddenly you're kind of surrounded by, I assume, 18, 19, 20 year olds that don't have as much life experience. You're like, why am I doing the same? Life? You know, it's like, I can do yeah, that. Yeah, and, you, and you're being told to do things and, you know, you're being told to do things that don't make any sense and told to be doing things backwards. and. Mm. But, you know, you, you get on with it. And, uh, you know, luckily, I dropped in with a few people quite early. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, someone was stuck and they said, oh, we need someone to look after the kids on this job. Do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, the next the next time they said, oh, you do it again. And 
that was about job nine and I was down on the call sheet as second assistant which was there you go. <laughs> quite funny <laughs> but, you know and then I just sort of you know I still was still running but I was just yeah, doing yeah. everything I could you know, there were in-house jobs. I was in-house at RSA. I did stuff at Rose Hackney. You know, some of the big old companies. I mm. I worked in those places, and you could learn a lot from those people. So, what can a you know those 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 new film students that are going into production companies? What is it that they need to be doing to stand out? You know, if you're if you're, I guess being a first AD, we'll we'll ask that question over what they can do on set, but that experience that you had in house is it did you learn anything that helped you on set uh you learn a little bit about what people do when they're before you get there mm. um if you can learn anything you know something that's really important for crew to learn is that you don't just turn up on the shoot day and it all happens you know there's a lot of stuff that has to yeah. go on before you get to that point there's an awful lot of work that you know lots of lots of decisions have to be made and you know, it's very easy to stand on the set in the morning going, oh, this is bloody stupid. Why are we doing it like this? But there's so many conversations that happen that you're not aware of. It's not really it's not really a help to you if you get into all of that. And one of the things you see in offices is you see the way that, especially if you work in commercials, which I work in, you see the way that things are pulled, projects are pulled from one way to the other. And sometimes the the director is is stuck in a position where they're getting pushed into a place where they don't want to be with the project mm. but the but the clients won't really understand that the, that the whole train is going the wrong way until they see it they mm. can't be told they have to see it so you, you end up doing things that really are a waste of time but they're only a waste of time from your point of view because you're sitting there doing it but actually it may be taking you to a better place for the whole project all in nice um, and what is your what is your you know i kind of asked the question from pencil to invoice at what point do you come in as a first ad on commercial projects well uh, some people i know really well and i've worked with for a long time and some producers will ring me up very early on in the process you know before there's a pencil and so i've got this job and we're trying to do whatever they're trying to do mm. have you ever done anything like that before and, and you know i've done over a thousand commercials so i've, I've done a lot of different shots mm. um and if i you know so i might tell them yeah what we did is we did this but you have to watch out for the tide or you have to watch out for the you know, all in the desert, all the moths attacking the lights at night. It's hard to mm. shoot in the night. There's all kinds of things. It's experiential. If you're on a beach, make sure there's no sand flies. Or, or many, many things that you just yeah, learn yeah. by yeah. disaster. Um, <laughs> so that happens sometimes. But mostly what happens is I have a diary service. And I think yeah. people probably know what a diary service yeah, yeah. is. I think you said that on the other things. And, you know, people will ring up and say, is Sean available on these dates? And we'll give, And they'll pencil me in. And really, once sometimes they'll send me a script at the penciling stage. But I'll be honest; I don't really pay that much attention to it. They just send it to me. If they ring me and ask me something specific, I'll have a look at it. Mm. And then once I'm confirmed, I'm kind of on the job. Yeah. Um, you know, so depending on what it is, if there's, you know, it could be a five-day job with lots and lots of different locations, or it could be two, you know, two wallies in a kitchen, which doesn't necessarily take up too much, you know, prep. <laughs> I like but, you change um, that. So, ladies and gents, just so you know, Sean, Sean, <laughs> Sean there, was, there was a few first ADs. So, when I first started these podcasts and I was nervous as hell and I didn't know who I was going to talk to and I didn't know where we were going to go, I spoke to kind of the three close, close ADs around me. 
So we've had this kind of chat before, but I'm loving that it's it's all new. And I, I appreciate that we've changed the <laughs> changed the change to Wally's in a kitchen. So it, it, I, I, just in case you all were wondering, why is he laughing at that? It's there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of a backstory to that. So um, now these two Wally's in a kitchen are they are they simple shoots to to do? Is it something that you look at a storyboard and you go, are you looking for problems and solutions before you've even turned up on a recce? Yes. Yes, always looking for problems. That's my job. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the problem searcher, um, which is pretty tricky, especially if you don't know people. When you turn up and you say, this is going to be tricky, that's going to be hard, that might not work. And, but you see, you have to do it in a way that you're, you're not being negative. But it, it, it's really simple because whether it is two wallies in the kitchen <laughs> or the entire cast of Zulu, yeah. you know with all of that the entails you basically got a a a big group of people that you have to take on this massive exodus whether that's physically moving around or you know just achieving all of these different things and you have to just try and work out the most efficient way to do that mm. um efficient in a holistic sense mm -hmm. so okay. there is a there is always the most efficient way to shoot stuff. You start with the wide, go closer, 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 mm -hmm. shoot everything in one direction, turn around, you know, schedule your lighting changes so that they happen at lunchtime, et cetera, et cetera. That's not always the best way to shoot something. There may be a uh, an intimate scene and the director would prefer to do the close-ups first because that's where all the performances are going to be. You don't want to lose it in the in the wide shots and then when you come in it's all become a little bit stale yeah lots and lots of different ways so do you ask a director what they'd like to do at that point or just from experience absolutely. do you say to a director oh do you want to shoot it this way it depends if i'm trying to be clever or not <laughs> <laughs> you know and if you work with people a lot you kind of know how they're going to want to do it yeah you don't always know, but you're going to kind of know how people want to do it. So it, it's about, it's about, I use the analogy of driving a bus. Nice. Right? I know you've heard this before. The I love it. on the bus go around it. and around. Yeah, yeah. A film crew and the artists, everyone is a journey on a bus. And that bus goes from one place to the other. It has a journey. And on that journey, it picks people up and it drops people off. And it has to hit certain top stops at certain times because it could be if you're on location, it could be to do with light. All of these things, all of them have to be taken into account. Mm. And what you have to do if you're an AD is you have to try and make sure that the bus is where it needs to be at the right time. But more importantly than that, you need to make sure that everyone who's on the bus or is going to get on the bus or is going to get off the bus knows. That's the most important thing. Oh, they call me. it murder. Murder, yes, I. So, so the most important thing is though that every single person on the bus who's on it is going to get on it or is going to get off of it knows. They need to know what they're going to do, what they're expected to do, when they're going to do it. Right, you need to make sure they've got the right ticket, that they've got their bag, they've got their map. Everyone needs to know what's going on. Mm. Um, and the other thing they all need to be is they need to be ready for diversions. 
because every now and then the bus is going to go try and turn left and there's going to be a breakdown. Yep. Something's going to be in the way. So you're going to have to go, right, okay, now what's the best way for it, us to get to the next stop? Or do we skip the next stop and go to the one after and then back round? These, these are the things you need to do. And that's basically what, what I try and do. And how, how does that decision process work on a commercial? Is it just on the first AD, this is broken, we need to go that way, everyone let's go? Or does there need to be a conversation higher up the chain to go, look? Oh, no, always, always a conversation, always a conversation. And also, you know, I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm not the person that makes all the decisions. I'm not the person that says this is the best thing to do. I say, in my opinion, this is the best thing to do. But there could be something that I'm not taking into consideration. There could be lots of things, and you know, and you, I could miss something. Yeah. You know, and there's, and and you know, definitely. And, and the other thing is, is you know, going back to the bus analogy, you're going from your, you're going from your depot in the morning to your destination. There's no point in getting to the next destination really quickly if you miss a couple of the stops, mm. right? So you can start going, oh, this is really good. We're ahead, we're ahead, let's stay ahead, let's stay ahead. But it's not necessarily the thing to do. You have to, you have to make sure that you tick all of the boxes along the way. And, you know, some mm. of the stops you don't know about. That's yeah. my bus analogy. Isn't it? Love it. Ding, <laughs> ding. Who's driving the bus? Um, I am. Nice. I'm driving the bus and I've got the little speaker, you know what I'm saying? You know, Clapton <laughs> Common, Next Station, all, yeah, yeah. all change. So, yeah, and so I that's, guess, yeah. you know, for, for film students who have never really been on a full working set, how in advance are you trying to think as, as a first AD? Are you kind of thinking about the whole day in the morning? Is it just the next shot? Is it, how does it work? It depends which department you're talking about. Okay. So, so if you give people too much information mm. and they start to get too far ahead, if you have a diversion, they've got, they've got, they've got their traffic already stacked up. Yeah. So you have to think about where, so the art department should know if you're going to move, if you're going to change sets, yeah. you know, and people should know which people you're going to have up next in the scene. Mm. Um, but what happens is if people you, you mustn't let people think it's set in stone because what people will do is they'll start making making doing something making a decision based on them thinking they know what's going to happen next and as we all know things change quite yeah. rapidly so you you have to keep it you have to give people as much information as you can but don't let them go off and do things before they need to be done nice if that makes any sense yeah I like the bus analogy because, it, you know, it, it does it does make sense that me as a second, it's like you've already driven off and I'm getting people ready to thing and knowing that, knowing all the information. You have to meet me at the stop. i got to meet you at the stop. And it's like, when are we yeah. doing it? Okay, this is the yeah. point. This is the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want the two wallies at the second stop. <laughs> no, simple as that. I love these two guys. They're great to work with. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now... We've kind of, we went very quickly through your kind of starting process, but I just want to just try and find out if there's anything more in there that we can dig away at and that is useful. It's just like being a writer, getting on set, did you just do the getting on set so that you could be a writer? Was there a point when you were running that you went, I want to be an AD, that's me? Or did you think I want to be a writer and I'm just making, you know, it's like, no, no. I think as a as a as a runner, I was just seeing where I was going to go, and mm -hmm. you know, 
most people, not all, but most people start as a runner and then they find where they want to go. Um, I just found where, you know, I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we get on <laughs> uh, so ad is probably the thing to do you know keeping uh, quiet and watching isn't really my thing so you know it's um and you know being involved makes time go quick too yeah. so you know i i just sort of followed you know i got let to be a second assistant early mm -hmm. um but i was a second assistant for a long time i didn't go first in ridiculous well i did go a little bit early <laughs> but um you know, when you're a second, then your first assistant will go, right, I'm going off, hold the floor. You know, those things. I remember the first time that ever happened to me. You know, those things. You really remember because it's really nerve-wracking. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really nerve-wracking. But, you know. And where do you that get that experience? Is that promos? Is it commercials? Are you doing short film? Like, what was, what was uh, the... I've, what's... Done, I've done some promos. Um, you know, in the early days, I did some promos. Uh, mostly commercials. I've done short films, you know, with people. I've done little short films. Yeah. A few little dramas. Um, but commercials. And it's experiential. Mm. You know, besides common sense, which we all know isn't that common, it's a very experiential thing. So, um, you we, know, you just... Uh, we kind of brush past how you got in. And, and Yeah. And I just want to kind of delve back into that world again. And it's like, are there any lessons that you learn as a second that then you went, oh yeah, I'm gonna steal that when I'm first in. Or oh, I know well, that's a good that's a good experience to have seen or I think that uh that you learn most of your trade as a second assistant. Yeah. I think that's when you learn to be confident on the floor. Mm. And you you not only are you really busy and you look after all the glamour, and if you're a good second assistant and you work out what you're going to do tomorrow and you get to look at what you're going to do tomorrow so you get ahead of the game, you also get a chance to look at what everyone else does. Mm. And if you stand and watch and you've got good people to watch, you will learn things. And I'm a, I'm a very firm believer in telling people why I do things because I often do things and people aren't quite sure why I've done it. And I mean, they'll always try and tell you or the runners, I'm doing this because, so they understand. Mm. Um, I think it's, but I think you're always learning. You know, you're always learning. I'm learning all the time. I'm still learning all the time. There's loads of things I haven't done. You know, there's loads of things that you, every job that you do, if you don't look back over it and go, ooh, do you know what? I could have done that. Or, oh, that maybe it would have been better to have done it that way. And that's not because you knew better before. It's because you look back and you know better now. And were you looking, were you looking at uh, storyboards and all the rest of it as a second going, oh, I wonder how the day's going to work? You know, do you, you kind of, do you start to prep? Are you helping your first AD in the scheduling process before you get onto set? And how if much? you're good. Yeah. If you're good. If you're good, if you know what's going on, it makes it a lot easier for you to understand everything that's happening in the process. And also you can, you know, you can stop me stepping into the holes. Mm. You know, there's lots of things that can go wrong. There's, you know, there's no, loads of things that can go wrong. The communication, you know, people, uh, it's multi-episodic people in lots of different scenes in the same film and they could have all different wardrobes on them. It could go wrong, which wardrobe yeah. they're in. It could be the wrong one. Mm. And it doesn't work for whatever reason. And it might not be clear in the scene that you're filming that it's going to become a problem in the later scene because you're not aware of what happens in the film. Mm. If you know what happens in the film and there's a gag to do with the tie or something, then you know. 
you understand what's going on. If you don't know that, if you haven't read the storyboard and you're just going, you know, Charlie, Brenda and Bill need to be in that, you know, in the kitchen scene and then yeah. Bill and, you know, Eamon are going to be out in the garden and you don't know what they're going to be doing in that kitchen scene. And you're not going to know as much as you need to know. Hmm. And you're not going to be able to save me. <laughs> now, what is, what do, you know, what are the, the best runners that you've had on the floor? What is it that they, that they did? What is it that they had about them? You know, for that next generation of, that are coming up, what is it that a great runner should be looking to do? Well, um, I'd recommend people listen to uh, uh, Jess on the podcast. Yes. She was really, really good. She was yeah. really, really good. And she really nailed it. Mm. Um, and it's quite a lot. And to be perfectly honest, I'm so lucky I've got such good runners that they know what they need to do. <laughs> and uh, and it, it's a big help for me because it means I don't really even have to think about it. Yeah. You know, but what I would say is in every single department, no matter what you're doing, runner anywhere, you want to be the best. Right. And by the best, I don't mean you have to be your best. Mm. You don't have to be you know the the fastest the funniest the whatever it is you have to be the best that you can be mm. um and that means that you do as much as you can do mm. um and i know that sounds a little bit you know a bit hippie-ish but it, your personality is so important on a film set it's so important that you are you and that you don't chop and change for different people and you know say oh this person likes people who are shouty this person likes people who are you know different things you just can't do that so mm. you know if what you have to do in all these things and this goes for runner camera people ad's wardrobes sparks is you latch onto the sort of people that you like to work with and like to work with you as you go in obviously when you're starting it's not possible to do that but once you get in a team of people, that's when it really starts to work. That's when the process really, really starts to work because you can enjoy it. You can enjoy yourself and you're working and you're working as a team and it really makes a big difference. Um, it's really tricky because, you know, what I'd say about runners is persevere. Just persevere all the time. The, the, the very obvious ones are, these are things that I was told when I first started by people. There's really simple ones. Don't say anything if you've got nothing to say, right? Don't think anyone needs to hear your voice just because you need to be hearing your voice. You do not need to do that on the film set, mm. right? Ever. Don't point out something that's gone wrong if there's no way to put it right, right? Don't do that. Nice. That's just bringing in negativity was something that we didn't do. And today there's nothing we can do about it, right? Yeah. Don't do it. Unless it's a continuity thing and you can do something about it. But if there's nothing you can do about it, don't say anything. Um, uh, remember, no one knows everything, right? So... Having said that, don't say anything if you've got nothing to say. Don't talk about something you can't fix. If you have got something to say, and it does make sense to you, say it, right? But maybe say it, if you've got something to say to the first AD, just go and say it to the first AD. Don't shout it out across the room. Mm. Don't try and be clever about it. Yeah. 
yeah. if it's a good first AD and you come up with a good solution, they're going to say, someone's going to go, that was great. And they're going to go, Tony told me that. That was Tony's idea. Yeah. Right? Um, <clears throat> you know, that, and that's what they'll do. But don't try and, don't try and be clever. Just be clever. Hmm. You know, that's, oh. you know, it's one of those things. I heard a great story the other day. And it was about, it was a documentary. It was about the Intercity 125 when British Rail were trying to develop this train. I might okay. have told you this before. No, I haven't heard it. So, oh, they've, they've got all these engineers, like massive engineers, people that came out of the war, you know, proper engineers, British, mm. when we used to make things in this country. Yeah. And they were working on the Pedalino train, which they sold to the Italians, but it was a British idea in the beginning. God knows where they got Pedalino from. It sounds like an Italian um, name anyway. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I think they probably changed it. And... <laughs> So they were having all these things. They needed to get a train up to 100 miles an hour, and they couldn't crack it. They couldn't crack it. And they had these. They had a great big seminar, and they allowed some um, students, engineering students, to come in from some college. And they had the whole thing, two hours, and how they were going to redesign the diesel engine and do all this stuff. Blah, blah, blah. And they said, "Any questions?" And one of the students put his hands up and said, "Couldn't you just put another engine at the back of the train?" <sighs> <laughs> the whole floor just went silent. Went, <laughs> guess what? You could put another engine at the back of the yeah. train. Guess what? The train would go 100 miles an hour. Yeah. So, you know, no one knows everything. And, you know, Love that. if something sounds, you know, really yeah, obvious yeah. to you, it doesn't It doesn't mean that everyone else has thought of it. So, you know. Yeah, but there are sometimes it's those things you go like, surely that's just too what You know, there, maybe someone next to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. for fuck. How the fuck? I've, yeah. I thought yeah. that well, two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the other thing is, if you go on location and the director and the producer are staying up late drinking and you're mm. shooting tomorrow, go to bed. <laughs> now, that sounds like it's come <laughs> from experience. <laughs> go to bed. Uh, Don't yeah. be there. Don't, Don't be, be there. the guy that they're, you know, girl that they're knocking uh, at six o'clock in the there. morning to knock on the door. Especially exactly. when you're running as well and you're, you know, you used to yeah. drive and. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. very sensible. You know, don't tell your first assistant that you do DJing on the side and you were up till four o'clock in the morning last night in some club. <laughs> who one of my very favourite runners of all time told me about <laughs> on our second job. And, you know, I love him to death, so I just laughed and told him that's probably not a good Brilliant. idea to tell me that. <laughs> yeah, you can just say, why you look tired? He's oh, in the right. camera department. He's in the camera department now. Do <laughs> <laughs> he wants. Oh God! Now are there, there are other little stories like that. Have you got any? Uh, too many. Story, story. I like the story, second AD story. one. I like the, the second AD one. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, oh, just one of the other things I wanted go, to go back go, go. to um, uh, things you should never do. Yes. And this isn't just as a runner. This is a this is an ADs thing. Okay. Something you should never do. When you're on the floor or in on location or whatever you're doing often things go wrong and they're not working and it's it can be for lots of reasons because people haven't really thought about what they're doing whatever it's not working and the director really starts to get that yeah never join in nice. never ever join in right because they get negative and they start going, I can't believe they didn't do that I told them they wanted to do this and if you just go yeah I can't believe it I don't know what's wrong with them but it just escalates yeah and it gets worse and worse, and worse. You, now you, you can step out of that uh i usually say i say when it's really obvious i say do you know what i totally agree with you but 
now I don't really want to get into that. I want to try and get us out of it like, nice. and get us into it a bit more. Yeah, nice. Right? And I and it's not that I disagree with you. It's just I need to concentrate on how we're going to make it work, right. not why it's not working. That's that's really good because there's going to be a lot of you know second ads that step up and do a promo and the you know you're on a job that doesn't have the money and the director does start getting a little bit frustrated yeah. and I guess you do tend to kind of go well fuck he's the boss you know yeah. and someday yeah. you go oh yeah yeah I can't believe it I can't believe it but actually yeah. you're right that that can just spiral into more negative yeah and, taking and then and then back. yeah. And also then they can start then they can start really having a problem about the art department or something. Mm. And then they everything they do, they're after them for everything. Yeah. You know, they're just after them for everything. Sometimes they'll do it anyway, but mm. you know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to get into that. That's all for after. That's there's no time for that on the day. It's just a waste of time. How much how much of the problem solving goes to the director? You know, is it every, I guess if you told if you told the creative top of the triangle all of the little nuances and everything that's going you probably wouldn't have much time to shoot depends who they are yeah depends who they are you know and you and i don't want i don't want to say really good ones mm. because you don't have to be you don't have to know everything to be really good you know some people are aware of everything that's going on some people are aware of nothing that's going on mm. But it doesn't really matter if they're doing what they need to do and they're letting you get on with it. Mm. You know, what you don't want is people who are selective about what they know and what they don't know. Mm. So, you know, and, and it's all it's all a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a tightrope thing to, uh, you know, to, you have to walk this line, you know, a bit like Johnny Cash. All right. And how quickly do you suss that out? You know, if this is just your first time with a director, you just read in the room really quickly about okay this i don't think you know i'm going to get on i'm not going to get on i can tell them this i can't tell them that or do you just kind of put feelers out uh, yeah, it's, it's good to have a recce yeah as you can usually tell on a recce mm. there's things that are very very obvious um you know and you know you don't i don't try and manipulate my directors at all Hmm. but um there are conversations that you can have and sometimes you can know very quickly if someone's going to be well how someone's gonna how someone's going to react and behave on the floor hmm. um what they want to know what they don't want to know what's important what's not important nice did you ever think about directing when you were when you were no. in the writing stage nothing no. producing no. nothing else it was kind of no. this is it it was a deal yeah nice. yeah yeah, yeah, eighteen's good. You're in, you're out. Yeah, you know, but in you know my little bus journey. You know, making the film is going from California to London. You know, Route sixty six. There's a, you know, I might drive the bus, but then they got to get on a plane. You know, and there's all stuff they've got to do before that. You know, this the shooting part's just a small part of the whole process. Yeah. So um, it's nice because you don't have to, you know, when you call rap, you're gone. As the shoot, as the, as the as the floor changed. Over massively. the last little bit, over the last few massively. years? Massively, yeah, massively, yeah. Yeah, and it's changed some for the good, some for the bad. Mm. Um, the discipline is, and discipline is really funny because it sounds like a really old-fashioned word. The digital has made a lot of the discipline go mm. um, because yeah, everyone process. had to be concentrating when you were shooting because it was so expensive when the film was going through the camera. Everyone had to really concentrate. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of a shame. Uh, mobile oh. phones have really changed the business um, because people are constantly on their phones. Um, they are used as a tool. So again, it's used as a tool. You know, you can send me pictures of people in wardrobe and I can show them to the director when you're at base and they can see them and say, does that work? That's yeah. a good use of the phone. Yeah. People be on TikTok watching things, you know, and, you know, or gambling or looking at houses yeah. or looking at the stock market or whatever, when they should be concentrating on the level of the smoke yeah. on the set. That's not so good. So, you know, that's changed an awful lot. I remember you um, saying it's like wardrobe, you know, used to have binoculars and they used to, you know, yeah. it's like they used to yeah, have makeup to and wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah, they used know, to watch. They didn't look at a monitor. Yeah, they'd, no. they'd find a place and they'd watch. Yeah, and they'd watch. And, you know, you'd never walk in front of the camera lens without saying crossing, ever, ever. Yeah. It was a courtesy, you know. Um, and that's, and what it does is it, it's a funny thing, that crossing, because people, people have a lot of opinions about it. But what it means is it means you're aware that you're doing it, right? And if you keep saying crossing, 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 you're probably in the wrong place. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah correct right? you know it's it's a way of letting you know if you're aware of it you know mm. and it lets the cameraman know because every time if he's looking through you know or she obviously mm. if they're looking through the lens and uh you know someone keeps crossing in front of them it's really distracting yeah you know, it's really really distracting so you know it's letting them know that you're aware of what they're trying to do those those things are quite important mm. um but the good side of it is camera department used to be alchemy, not with everyone, but it was, you know, it was this great secret, you know, thing that happened and it was all important. Obviously you need the camera department. They're vitally important to what mm. we do. Um, but uh, <clears throat> now everyone can see what's going on, you know, you, and the, the way the lights are, the lights are so much more sophisticated and easier to rig and, you know, everything's mm. changed in that department. And we have a lot more women, a lot more people from ethnic backgrounds, but not nearly enough. Mm. But uh, we do have a lot more people in those roles. And that's all a very positive thing. A lot more female directors, which is a, a great bonus because we're making films only using half of the world's experience before they came along. And now we're utilising the other half of the world's experience. And I don't mean people are completely different if they're male and female, but people see things from a different and your gender I think makes quite a difference to the way you see things sometimes yeah. and uh, I think that's really opened up the amount of stories and, and uh, things that we can look into and show nice now shooting on film the process having changed and adapted what what could film students that have got you know a camera in their pocket what sh what can they be doing to kind of get ahead? Should they just go out and just film whatever they can, or Anything. should they try and get into onto film sets and learn the language? Or is it just like you Both. know, it's like some artists just don't even learn about art and just go and make up whatever. Yeah, but that but that's but that's not that's not necessarily a craft, you know. It, and and film is a craft with an art spearhead. There's a craft to it, you know. A film director is like an architect who has a vision and they have to pull lots of different people in together in order to achieve that. You know, you can conceive of this great building, but you can't build it. Mm. And it's the same with the film. You can conceive of it, but you can't do all of those things yourself. You need you need that bus. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get on that bus. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, but 
anyone who wants to be making films, if someone wants to be a producer, producer, good thing, but cameraman, director, anything like that, if you want to work out how film works, go and make a film. You know, make a film of yourself doing the washing up. Make a film of someone going out in the morning and putting their keys in the car and starting the car, right? Yeah. You'll start to learn about how you cut it together, what you need to know. Those things, it's all, it's all, it's a craft. And like all crafts, you know, it's like when you first learn to drive a car, mm. you know, and you're there and they're going, right, uh, prepare, observe, manoeuvre, uh, look, look back, um, indicate, clutch, pedal. There's all these things to do. And you just, there's so many, it's so hard to conceive of it. When you've been doing it for a while, you can smoke a cigarette, change the change the radio, have a headset on, you know, drive yeah. away. You're not even, yeah. you're not even really paying any attention. You are looking at the other traffic, but it all becomes so natural. The driving part is so easy for you mm. to be able to concentrate on other things. And that is because you've done it loads and mm. loads and loads. It's not because you're a genius. It's because you've mm. done it loads and loads and loads. Now that's, a, now, that's a great, as you were talking there, I kind of started, I really wanted to ask the, that question of people start learning to drive and they don't know what they're doing. and They're super aware and they're overthinking everything. Um, yeah. once they then get comfortable and they, they, you know, they can get a little complacent, that's where accidents happen. And it's like, as a first AD, that complacency, are there things that are always kind of set a trigger off that you go, right. Okay. We need to back off, slow down. This needs to be done. You know, is, are, are there things that you as a first AD suddenly it's like, right, we can't go, we can't drive this bus a hundred miles an hour because I've got this, this, and this. So we're going to go at, you know, the speed limit. Yeah, what, what kind of things? What, what kind of things just set a little spider sense? Well, uh, safety is the most important thing mm -hmm. um, because you're, you know, you have to make sure. You, it, a film set is a factory floor, and we actually are under health and safety law and labour law. We are a factory. We're, you know, we're under the Factories Act. You have to, you know, we have big bits of machinery. We have darkened areas. We have people working, you know, late, long hours, lots of concentration. You have to be very, very careful that you don't get so carried away that someone gets hurt. Um, a director, you, it, myopic is probably the wrong word, but it's an easy way to describe that they are looking down this tunnel at what they're trying to achieve. My job is to get them to achieve what's down that tunnel. Mm. but what I have to do is I have to look at what's on the outside of that tunnel as well and make sure that nothing smashes and nothing goes wrong. So everyone wants to achieve as much as they possibly can. And sometimes they might want to be trying to achieve more than they possibly can in the time permitted or the yeah. time allowed or just the daylight, because sometimes it's not a matter of just going longer because the big light is going to go to America and it's not going to come back till tomorrow. So there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. so you know that's just the way it works that's it yeah. um, and it's when you're trying to go too fast that things go wrong or when you don't test things or when you and often as a first assistant people think oh bloody, do we really have to do all this do we have to test that you know you go up slowly slowly faster faster then just go really fast it's like no you know you, and there's a way to do it if people are experienced they tend to understand if they're not experienced and they're letting you do their job they tend to watch 
and understand. Mm. Um, and if they're not, it just all becomes a little bit, that, you know, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know. And you've now, you know, you've been doing it and you've been at the top and you've been a first AD for X amount of years. You looking back at a point in your life coming into the industry, would there be something that you'd turn around to yourself and you go, right, Sean, sit down, listen to me for five minutes. I want to tell you that da 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 da. What would the da 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 be? Uh, well, there's probably are these things I shouldn't have done. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we learn from we learn things from I should have done. <laughs> but, you know that advice to the younger self. What would it be? Uh, I think a lot of it is. I think a lot of it is. The kind of things I was saying about, you know, don't don't speak if you've got nothing to say. Don't mm. point out mistakes you can't do. Uh, don't moan along with the boss. Uh, I I think one of the really important things is uh, don't ever pigeonhole or underestimate people. Nice, because you can be you can come very unstuck doing that. You know, thinking that you know what someone's going to do or how much they know or mm. or thinking that you're definitely right about something until you've really listened to what someone else has to say. Mm. Um, it's really it, it, it's really easy to do. I, I, I did a lot of Saturday jobs when I was young and I did one, I worked in a butcher's and uh, it was only small and... Uh, I remember once we were packing everything away and we had to get it, you know, we had to get out. It's, you know, it's Saturday, let's get out of here, let's get done. And there's not all that much left on Saturday anyway. We're sticking everything in the fridge and it's like the last little bit and it's gone there. And this little old lady just pops in under the, you know, the little shutter thing, yeah. just pops in under the shutter. Like, oh. Oh. Hello, hello, Mrs. Johnson. Hello, son. <laughs> you know, right, Mrs. Johnson, silly old moo. Right? So, I need a chicken. You know, I don't think we've got any Mrs. Johnson. She goes, oh, I have to have a chicken. I've got the family coming around. I have to have a chicken. I'll go and have, everything's in the fridge. I'll go and have a look. Right? So you go in, open up the fridge, and there's like one chicken, and it's right at the back. There's only one left. Right? So, you go, right. so you reach in, and you get the chicken, and you bring it out, and you go, there you go, my love, nice chicken. She goes, oh, oh, I wanted one a little bit bigger. You go... You think silly old move, right? Don't tell the truth. Don't say that's the last one. Oh, yeah. Hang on a sec, right? Oh, silly old cats. Go back in the back and you just start slapping it about a bit. <laughs> make it bigger, you know, make the chicken look bigger. So you come out and you, uh, and you put it on the counter and you go, yeah, that one looks a little bit bigger, doesn't it, Mrs. Johnson? And she looks you right in the eye, right? And she sussed you, right? She sussed you and she goes, all right, love, I'll have them both. <laughs> uh oh! <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't you know? Don't underestimate anyone because yeah, yeah, they no. will. They will end up. You know, <laughs> they will end up getting you. You know, making you in big trouble. But I guess the biggest rule yeah. in being an AD and being on any film set, I think the golden rule is never, ever pretend to understand. If you don't, right? never do that. Never do that. So someone says, yeah, I want you to go away and the lipsy record 
the artist on the right and you go, all right. And you're walking away going, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Right? (laughs) You walked away, right, without going, "Uh, I'm not quite sure what ellipsy record means. Hmm. The person goes, no, go and get the person to move two steps to the left who's on camera right. But you've just gone, yeah, without understanding what they've said. That's a really big mistake. Even when, you know, everyone else has understood what ellipsy record means. Like, even when it looks like everyone in the room knows what they're talking about, but you don't. You have yeah. to go, uh, excuse me, I don't know what that means. I'm so sorry, right? explain it, yeah? yeah? Yeah, that's a big rule. Yeah, that's well, you'll only, rule. if you don't do it, there's only yeah. one thing that's going to happen. Yeah, you know? yeah They're yeah. going to ask you're for gonna, two chickens. Get... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right, you know. And, it, yeah. and so never, ever pretend to understand. Nice. And have you got, is there any, you know, is there any little stories like Mrs. Johnson? film related uh well i've had a few funny stories um the i had one once where uh i was doing uh here let's start talking about famous people so i was doing the job <laughs> my second assistant yeah, i yeah. was doing the job with jerry seinfeld when he was massive he was at the top of his thing they were trying to give him a hundred million dollars a show and it was an american wow. express job and he came over from america they brought him over in a private jet and uh, he was doing this thing where he was in all these typically English situations where the language was different and people okay. didn't understand. And, you know, yeah, and yeah. he was he was a superstar, Jerry Seinfeld. And uh, it was a uh, it was three days, I think, or four days. And on the second night, we're at Wimbledon Theatre. Mm-hmm. And we stayed there till two o'clock in the morning. Fucking Jerry Seinfeld. We kept him from seven in the morning till two in the morning. Right? Jerry Seinfeld. I'm the second assistant. I'm just thinking, God, oh, we're going to absolutely fucking get it. So I can't believe it. And he was quite cool with me. He was tricky with everyone else, but he was quite cool with me. Yeah. And uh, his call the next day was eight. Eight <laughs> o'clock. Right? Down by the river somewhere. And yeah. we had a taxi that we were putting on the low loader. So our call was, I think, seven. And uh, and we got his Winnie down there, and I was down there at half seven because his call was eight. And uh, he turned up, <clears throat> and uh, ten minutes before he turned up, I just got onto the production manager and said, um, "Where are the caterers? Because I'm going to need to do something for Jerry when he gets here. Because you know he's a bit picky. He's not picky, but it's America. You know, it's LA, yeah. all that sort of madness, or New York, wherever it was." Yeah. So he so said, "We haven't got catering. We're using the cab." <laughs> <laughs> but, all right. So Jerry turns up at ten to eight or whatever, and he gets out. Hello, Jerry. You're right, mate. Yeah. La, la, la. I said, "What do you like for breakfast?" He said, "I'd like an egg white omelet with fresh spinach and uh, not quinoa, but something along that thing." I yeah, went, yeah. "Yeah, okay. All right, we'll sort that out for you." Thinking, "Oh, Jesus okay. Christ, what am I going to do now?" <laughs> right. So anyway, he goes into wardrobe, makeup. It's going to be about it's about forty-five minutes to get done. Hmm. So I'm running around trying to get some stuff and I find a place. I find a place up the road that's, you know, sort of, this is, you know, this is 25 years ago. So this is, you know, this is, it wasn't easy to find a place to get a white egg omelet. I found a place that would do it after a lot of, you know, talking and they said, okay, we'll get on to it. So, but it'll take about 20 minutes. So I go back to the 
bus and I say to Jerry, I say, listen, I'm really sorry that there's a problem with the caterers, but it's on order and it will be here soon. So he goes, oh, you know, because Sean, I'm pretty hungry because I didn't eat at the, uh, you know, the hotel because I was only there for six hours. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. So, so he says, uh, he's, so I say, okay. And then over the radio, I get uh, 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 whoever it was to Sean, we're ready for Jerry now. And I'm like, All right, okay. Okay, that's interesting. And it's only, you know, a two-minute walk down the road where the, where the low load is. So mm. I think, right, I'm going to go down and talk to him. I'm not going to do this over the radio. Sounds so right. I walk down. I say to the first assistant, because I'm going I'm to go to my first first. I'm not going to do it on the radio no. so everyone knows I'm going to go to my first. I go over, I say, listen, this is what's happened. He's not in a particularly good mood. He really wants something to eat. He's told me he's hungry. They've got rid of the catering. He wants an egg white omelette. I've got one coming. I'll have it in, it'll be here in 10 or 15 minutes. It's completely up to you, but I think we should give him the time or he's going to be really pissed off. And he says, hang on a second. So the director goes, what, what's going on? What's going on? Another American. So I tell him, he goes, ah, oh, you know, we've got to get on. We've got so much to do. It's like, of course we have. You like shit to do in the morning. But anyway, <laughs> then the producer comes over who's this dude who's moved to LA, but he's English. He's got that Midwestern, you know, American, mid-Atlantic twang. And he says, uh, he says, what's the problem? So we tell him, he goes, I'll deal with this. Oh, don't worry about this to the director. I'll deal with this. So off he goes. I think, oh, I've got to see this. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> so he goes marching off to the Winnebago. I'm following him. He can't see me. And he goes up to where the Winnebago is. He goes right by where the door is. He walks straight past the door, goes to the front of the Winnebago, gets out a packet of fags, lights himself up a Marlborough, <laughs> smokes the Marlborough, right? flicks it away, then goes walking back around and walks straight back down to where the low loader is. <clears throat> and the person, the director, say to him, how was it? He goes, he'll be out in five minutes. You know, it's like... Oh, right. Okay, that's how it works, isn't it? That's how it works. Okay, yeah. it was brilliant. Anyway, he came out about half an hour later. I mean, that's quite obvious. Sensible. The little gaffer. Yeah. Yeah, that. So that was pretty funny. Love yeah, that. that. Funny. Yeah. And it just, you know, that kind of is the sometimes the, the power structure that happens on a film set, and it's finding those, the 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 you know the the ways of communicating and the ways to figure out problems and solve it. And then when you told me that, I was just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's smoke and mirrors and it's, you know, yeah, you got to watch. Yeah. Got it's to... about watching, mm. you know, it's about watching and, 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 you know, and working out what's again, is it? It's holistic. You have yeah. to look at the whole picture. Right? Always, always. You have to look at the whole picture. Right. And I think that's the trick in being a good AD, mm. if I can call myself one of those. I think that is the trick. Yeah, you have to no, look sorry. at everything. It's not about the next 20 minutes. Yeah. Right? It's about realising how much of an effect that will have and whether to actually, you know, really be worried about it or not. You know, one of the common questions that, you know, people will ask, and I don't know if it's one of the questions that you're going to ask, is do you need to tell the director when they've got the shot or when they should move on, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's, lots of people have got a lot of different opinions about that, right? Some people would say, yes, you do. You do need to tell them. Or you can say, right, you've got two more and then you've got to move on. Well, 
The director moves on when the director thinks they've got the shot, right? The only thing that you can do is you can let them know that what the what the knock-on effect is going to be if mm. they, you know, so if you spend three times the amount of time on shot one, mm. then you might be taking away all the time from shot five and six. Yeah. Right? And as long as they're aware of that, that's fine. What you don't want to do is not tell them and then later they say, if you told me that this morning, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. It's a common thing, right? So you just have, they just need to be aware. But it's, it's, they're the director. They're in charge of the whole thing, mm. right? If they feel that they need to sacrifice time from five and six in order to get one, because one is more important, mm. that's not something I have an opinion about, Yeah. right? It's also, I'm not, and the producer might be freaking out, right? I'm not the assistant producer. I'm mm. the assistant director. I'm there to help the director get all the things from that piece of paper that they can get. And they are the person who's in charge of what's most important to them, not me. And what makes a good assistant director basically boils down to your ability to understand what the director is after and where they're trying to go with it. Yeah. Once you've done that, once you've worked that out in your head or you think you've worked it out in your head, then you need to hatch up a plan, right? And that plan needs to get as close to their vision as mm -hmm. possible within the confines of all the tools and all the bits that you've got to make it work because yeah. obviously you, you've got limitations, right? Um, the other thing that's really important is that is you've got to give all the other departments time and space to do what they need mm. to do again within the parameters of the budget or or the stuff that you're working mm. towards and and that's really important to do that because everyone if you've got a good crew is really trying to do the best that they can do and if you mm. don't let them do that and if you actually stop them from being able to do that you will lose your crew very quickly mm. and and if you don't do that and they all understand where you're trying to go and where he's trying to go you you find that everyone just starts to starts to move forward together. It's like you become a super organism, um, and that's the really fun bit. You know when you're you're optimizing the nice. amount of time that the camera's yeah. running. You it know what I mean? It's just it's the just going all the just time. Yeah, it just it, exactly. It just clicks, and you know you're turning over on that mm. scene, and you know if you look over to your right, someone's you know working out the prop for the next thing and i see you coming onto stage or whoever's helping me with the next lot of cast and everything's mm. happening and you just feel it and 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 that's when you're doing the job uh and that's when it's working well and you and, and, and it's because the crew is working like a like you know not just lots of individuals doing lots of individual mm. jobs it's it's working everyone's going towards that same vision seems like a big word but yeah. it is because it's the director's yeah. vision it's not ours and um at that point when it's going like that and if you've got a director who's happy and they're feeling that they can get the best out of it that's when you're doing mm. your job that's when you're being the assistant director and that's what we have to do nice so there you go amazing <laughs> Well, look, we've, it feels like we've kind of done a 45. We've probably even gone over, but I love it. Have we? Amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'd great. like to ask, if you, is there any kind of people, projects, things, anyone in particular you want to give a quick shout out to? Anyone that's close to your heart that needs uh, some love? 
Uh, yeah, probably. Um, uh, yeah, well, actually, they're loads. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an acceptance well, speech. We're going, we're going for 45 to, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going from 45 to uh, to an hour very quickly, right? <laughs> um, I guess, I guess that you know, the, the main thing of people I would like to uh, have a shout out for is all the fantastic people that I get to work with. Um, in this, I call it the home for wayward children because we're all people that don't actually belong. Well, not that we don't belong, but we end up that we're just people that sort of fallen into this thing and fallen in love with the madness and just fallen in love with, with what we do and, yeah. you know, the aggravation and the, you know, it's just, it's, it is, I call it the home for wayward children. It's actually called the film industry, but that's the big shout out goes to all those people. Um, the other people I'd like to uh, have a shout out to is, is the director's, who let me come and play in the sandpit with them because uh, that's really what we do. You know, yeah. we get in there, um, you know, and I'd really like to thank the ones that, that let me do my job, um, you know, because that's really good fun when people let you use your skill and your experience to try and achieve this thing that we're all achieving. And that's, that's a really big thing. And, you know, at the end of the day, without the directors, there are no jobs. Yeah. There is no, there is, without that person yeah. in that job, home, landing that job, you know, everyone helps, the producers, all these people help, but without the director, there is no job, there is no fun, there is no same thing, right? You know, that's, that's, that's pretty simple, right? Yeah. But having said that, it's not just them, right? <laughs> so there's all the producers, production companies, production managers, you know, all those people. And the ones I'd really like to thank are the ones who take a holistic approach mm -hmm. to what we do. Yeah. Because they're the people that are trying to produce a thing, not tick a box or reach a target or yeah. deliver something for a reason that's not part of the film. The people who really, really want to do the film. And, you know, they they when you do that together with people when you all share a common goal even for then it's small amounts of time um they become a they become a big part of your life mm. you know they really do it, it it's not in the trenches because we're not fighting the war we're not fighting finding the cure for cancer but yeah. they really do become a big big part of your life and um you know without them what i do wouldn't be possible when I do what I do well, I couldn't do it without them. There's absolutely no way because when I'm with someone who's not good at it, I really, really, really notice, mm. really notice. It really makes the job very, very difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I kind of already said to the film industry, but uh, it's a shout out to all of our film family and my immediate film family because I don't work in features, I don't work in dramas, I work in commercials and there's yeah. people that work in commercials and uh, you know, they, they make things that seem impossible and convoluted in a way that you just can't think you're going to get there. They, they, they get you there. They act in a professional, not only professional, but quite eccentric. They have an eccentric professionalism, which is nice. makes life so much richer. 
mm. because they're characters and you know they're like a family and we do have our family ups and downs and yeah. you know and and we have a lot of aggravation um and uh uh you know without them not only would it not be possible but it wouldn't be worth it it would be fun, be, wouldn't it? It just, oh. it just wouldn't be worth it. So, you know, it's directors because if it wasn't them, then there would be no work. It's right. producers because, and the production managers, the production companies, because without them, it wouldn't be possible. And it's the crew because without them, nothing would happen. We are nothing without them. And, and, yeah. And we would really, really miss <laughs> all of the oh, fantastic God, people and the nutters and the all of it. them, oh, all yeah. those people that we get to work with. And that's, you know, that's really, really good. You know, you know what we're going to have to do now? <laughs> you know what we're going to have to do? The first job, the lockdown, we're going to have to like give like a half hour pre-breakfast, just everyone hugging <laughs> the fuck out of each other. It's just like, yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah, seen yeah. you in fucking months. Yeah, now there's something you just said, the breakfast thing as well, right? And I know people say, you know, people drive you mad, the first thing they want to know at breakfast is when we're finishing and all that. But that's okay, because you yeah, know yeah. why they ask you? Because they don't know and you do. Yeah. Right? And that's your sure, family. Sure. Yeah. And they'll be the one that never puts the milk away. And they'll be <laughs> the one that, you know, that, you know, that, or, or yeah. you know, puts it away even when there's not enough for a cup of tea in there. They're all part of the family. Yeah, yeah. You've got to get into all of those people. They are, you know, they are the thing that makes it worthwhile. Um, these are the people that are listening. Yeah, yeah, these well. are the people that are listening. And I'd like to tell all those people that the because my shout outs are carrying on sorry oh, you go. <laughs> you can i'm gonna go i'm gonna go make a cup of tea i'll come back in five <laughs> the other thing we need and it's been made very clear and in these times is we really do need to our family our dysfunctional family does need people to help us yeah in times when we're not quite sure what we need to be doing um i listened to jay arthur's podcast he said quite a lot about back two Yep. Uh, and I'm not going to say the same things because everything that he said was correct. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would like to say that we do need to have ourselves in a union and uh, people need to be safe and looked after in a group way because as individuals, we're in big trouble. Um, I also have a thing that I do, um, and I don't know if I'm the first person to do it because I think there are several people are doing it now, but um, I like to donate my meal penalties to my local food bank. Yeah, um, I and I think that's that's something that people can do. It's not a lot of money, and it's a good thing. And my penultimate shout out okay. is this is yours, for, and this is for an individual person, which is which is uh, the only person I'm going to name in the whole thing is someone who works on our sets as a on-set medic, named AJ Barr. And at the moment, he's out there as a paramedic. And uh, he is doing an amazing job. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'd like to send out as much film family love to him yes. as I can because he is an amazing man and he's oh. out there saving lives. Um, him along Ladies with the rest gents. of the NHS. Yeah. AJ, AJ Bart. Bart. AJ like Bart. Doing know. something for real. Not only is he out there doing it for real and saving people's lives, but I bet he's making people laugh their heads off on the you way because he's a very funny, you know top, it. top man. So I wanted to give it up for AJ. And last, but by no means least, I would like to uh, give a shout out for my own family because nice. this is a uh, this is a business where you go away a lot and you have very difficult hours and there's lots of things that you have to 
that you have to not necessarily sacrifice, but it's not an easy thing because mm. you, you don't know where you're going to be on certain days. And it takes quite a lot of understanding for people to understand that. And yeah. uh, I've been supported in that by all my family and haven't beaten up me up for it. And I've got a lot of friends who have been beaten up for that. And mm. uh, I think it makes it quite difficult. Love it. I'm not. Ladies and gentlemen, can you see why I love this man? Can you just fucking see why? Like, there's... you are the liar. Oh god, I'm all goosebumped up. Look at that. Look at it. Look at it. You are. I'm just, uh, well, it's just there's so much. It's just so Hang much. On. Low battery. Low battery. <laughs> no. Well, look, ladies and gents. Oh, uh, we're in. We're in. It's probably been an hour, but you know that you've had a great fucking time listening. And if you think this one hour has been great, I've had this for the last six seven eight nine ten fucking years so you can see why i love (laughs) why i love getting up in the morning and going to work for people like this because this is what the film industry is about um and i i I don't even want to wax any more lyrical because uh you know it it will just start getting too emotional but look one love job bless ladies and gents until we meet (laughs) that is a wrap Yes, sir. Rudeness. (laughs) So that was a chat with the king or queen in the game. I give it a shout at the end so you all know the name. It's the Film Gods Podcast. The what? The Film God Podcast.